Yeah. All right, everybody. It's the ID84 show live here. Uh, episode 157. Uh, it's the, the 11th of November. It's 11 11, 2020. And I am here with, as always, Adam Mellet to the left of me. Left, and right. Where? <laughs> There's a quite a little bit of a mirror in it. It's a little confusing. It's uh, where am I today? Am I the left or am I the right? Where you are to my if I'm looking at you, you're to my left. But if you're looking on Facebook, you are also to my I guess you're also to my left. So there you go. We're very accurate. We want to welcome in Facebook Live for all our people watching us live on, on the Facebook. Um, even though I, I despise <laughs> Facebook. Uh, I've got the Instagram work. Instagram was down. It's working. All right. So I guess the trick was you had to uninstall and then reinstall again because when you did the iPhone updates, it didn't, it didn't very, it didn't relate very well. So that was a problem right there. So if you are listening out there and you're still having problems for your Instagram, I suggest you uninstall your Instagram and then you install it again. Is so it was just an iPhone thing? It was working everywhere else? I don't know. I, I, there was outages all around the world from what I was looking at for the last, you know, 36 hours. So, it's, you know been a busy week we had two weeks off we missed the election and uh, some other stuff uh we have a lot to talk about tonight we have two guests coming on tonight we have uh charles abel who is a radio i think he's a radiologist and he's also a publicist but he was also on a hundred hunger strike for uh yes. for basically seven plus weeks leading up to the election and we're going to find out if he's still on said hunger strike because technically we really don't know who president is Businesses. We do, but we don't. It, it, I mean, he can still be, until there's a confirmation, I'd, I'd say he can continue his uh, hunger strike just for the hell of it. And then we have, uh, let's see, it looks like we have a writer, uh, an author, writer, author, Teddy Styles, who's writing a book on the history of Long Beach hip hop before Snoop Dogg. He'll be joining us around uh, nine o'clock tonight. And we'll be speaking to him about uh, what he knows about hip hop prior to the Snoop Doggy Dog out there in Long Beach. Very, very interesting hearing about that, actually. Yeah. So. It'd be very interesting, very interesting. Um, as everything else in the show is quite interesting, indeed, because it wouldn't be a show if it wasn't interesting. What's going on? Here we go. Oh, God. This guy's a physicist. This guy knows his stuff. This guy knows some, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson kind of shit. Yeah, this guy's, <laughs> I'm assuming he's pretty intelligent. So, uh, he, I mean, he, he, he deals with radio, radio, radioactivity on a daily basis. But, I don't know how intelligent a hunger strike is, because what's that going to do for one person? Like, is anybody going to care? I'm <laughs> hungry. So uh, last week, uh, Dr. Powers and I, we're going to call him Dr. Powers for that one, because we don't have Dr. Todd anymore, uh, did our rehearsal for uh, Lego Masters. Uh, so that's why we missed episode, that's why we missed a week, uh, episode two weeks ago, because I had to prep for the interview with Lego Masters two weeks ago from today. And then we got postponed to the following Monday. And then last Wednesday, it was after the election. Things were all crazy. But we did the uh, interview for Lego Masters. So we should be hearing something within the next few weeks for season two. Uh, Hillman starts in California in February. So uh, if we are picked for the wonderful Lego Masters show, we will be uh, shipping out to somewhere in California. I'm assuming it's the LA area. And... Uh, We'll be there for about three weeks or so. So that would be that happens. Very interesting. Really cool. see how that goes. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you are a fan of Lego Masters and you follow them on Instagram, just uh, make sure you at TW Bricksters. That's me, the Wicked Bricksters. And say, hey, you want this guy? You want him. You want, you want him. You want Do me it. Your, uh, 
you're 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 master of the bricks. If you yeah, why wouldn't you? You have to. You're supposed to. I would say you're 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 out of your mind. You're obligated to. The entertainment factor would just be worth it. By I could build nothing. But exactly. So that's all I'm at at the end of the day. So I have some news. I have some news too. Oh, okay, yeah. Which what do you mean you get for going? It's it's not as big as that, but it's interesting. I mean, obviously, we know we lost since uh since Halloween. We lost Sean Connery. We lost Alice Trebek. Yeah. Um, but. Right, and I hate to use someone's death as a uh, as a, but like my Bond video on on YouTube, fucking skyrocketed and oh, has constantly. We're up around like fourteen thousand. It went from like one thousand to fourteen thousand in a matter of weeks. You and must- which it's up around like two hundred and forty thumbs up versus four thumbs down. It's like pretty good ratio. Yeah, and the minutes are insane. So I just—if anybody—if anybody's wow. listening who who has uh, jumped on the uh, the potato bandwagon because of that, thank you very much. I appreciate it. That's uh, nice. Guys. Nice that it popped up into the algorithm. People were uh, seeing it. It's good. I, I think because it was already there so long, even before he died, it was embedded. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it, why. I think that's why it caught. Yeah. No, it's but- not like he died and then I threw a video out there. It's friggin' it was embedded already in there. I bet you regret not doing a uh, Sean Connery. I mean, a uh, Sean Connery, a uh, Alex Trebek uh, video. Why I hate Alex Trebek? Should have done no, that. I don't want to. No, but I hate Eric Clapton because he's a shitty father. But I don't. <laughs> I don't hate Alex Trebek. <laughs> like, but that? I did see a thing. They were talking about who's going to replace him. Yeah. And the thing is, Alex Trebek, I guess, wanted nothing to do with that. Yeah. He wanted nothing to do with the replacement of who he's going to be. But he joked oh, around cool. Betty White. Yeah. I um, heard, yeah. But like the, some of the candidates are there, there's one person I would like to see, but it would never happen. Like because it would be he's too famous. But as a guest host, I think Clooney would be great. Yeah, he's good in a suit, kind yeah. of charismatic, you know. But I think Ken Jennings will get it. You think so? Like the, the uh, all-time winner of the Jeopardy? Yeah, he's like you know he knows his shit. He's part of producer now too, and uh, he's I think I think he's a good fit. He's not famous. Personality. He's, I don't remember him. Is he is he is he personable? Because that's the important thing. He's not bad. Like he's better than the other guy who had that fake smile, who was like really good for a while. I forget his name. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I of, wouldn't mind that. Here, here's the toss up. How about you have Will Ferrell as Alex Trebek for one show? Uh, that'd be cool for a week. That would be. You cool. know? Yeah. Have like a celebrity uh, celebrity Jeopardy with. Uh, Will Farrell as Alex Trebek. I think that would be entertaining for like a bridge into the new, you know? I believe that's what, um, before Drew Carey replaced uh, What's His Name on The Price is Right, I think that's what they did for a while with The Price is Right. They rotated yeah. celebrity hosts. I think that'd be a great idea. Get Betty White, get like, you know, all these people. I think it'd be great. It is tough to uh, have a replacement. Someone so iconic as Alex Trebek. Exactly. It, it's like yeah. you're uh he was the guy. He was the only host of Jeopardy of all those. Yeah. So in same way, I mean, with you guys say the same about uh, Bob Bach. Yeah, yeah, Bob Sajak too. Sajak too. Yeah, I mean, Pat Sajak with his giant five head and uh, Vanna White, who doesn't seem to age whatsoever. It's like they're almost on a capsule of internal. Okay, I got, I got going for you. Who do you think will be first to leave, Vanna White or, or um, oh my God, my brain, or Sajak? Yeah, I mean, or do you think they'll exit together? I think they'll be there till death. To be honest with you, because here's the thing: what, 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 if Pat Sajak leaves, what's he gonna do? You know, yeah. he's he's not gonna he he's, he he made his was he thirty years on fucking Wheel of Fortune? Jesus Christ, the man has been there I think almost as long. 
What are they going to do? Retire and do what? Not do anything? You know? There's only a couple of ways this could go. It could go some douchebag executive who's new. It's like, we got to get rid of Vanna White. She's getting old. We need to get yeah. some young blood in there. We need to get a hot chick doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. So she gets kicked off. Or they both, or he dies because women live longer than men because, let's face it, they stress us out. True. That's what. I agree. <laughs> and so he'll die, and then she'll still be. Although there's a lot of single old men living down in Florida who were smart enough to get a divorce prior to uh, have the deal with the rest of the life of the woman. Because you figure if you're like in your 60s and you're like, you know what, might as well just get divorced. Because, you know, if you only have 20 years and it's being, you know, very uh, nice left on the planet, do you really want to be stressed out those entire 20 years? Or do you just want to go down to Florida? And you want to get like a, a trailer living near the beach? Yeah. You know, it's you know nice. You have a go to the bar every night and hang out. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You know, because you figure if you sell the house, if you get divorced, you, you make an agreement, you sell the house, right? So say all that money you built in that house, you could take that, buy a cheap trailer, have no mortgage, have no taxes taken out. You could live off social security down in Florida and you, you could probably do well for like 20. You can get a part-time job, bartender. Like you probably know a guy who's going to probably do that eventually, minus the house and the divorce and all that stuff. But just be an old man bartender down in Florida, you know, Fort Myers on spring break. I'm glad I turned you on to my plan, though. Just buy cheap property up in Maine and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Once you uh, told me how cheap the acreage is up there, I know they have like certain codes where you need like X amount of acreage to even build. Yeah. But still, I mean, if it's like pennies on the dollar for acres of land that no one could even be near you, why wouldn't you do? Because all you need, you don't even have that. You just have land, and you you put like a trailer there. You know? I'm not telling you, you don't have to look too far from Bangor. And Bangor has a, has venues for concerts. They have a casino there. Yeah. And you know, Stephen King lives right near there. It's not too far from there. You can get, like I said, a a, a grand an acre. That's if you're an hour or so outside of Bangor, you're further enough away from a major city of Maine to you know have enough distance in case something goes on for you to get the hell out of Dodge. But you're close enough for supplies. And if you're living that far out, then you're constructing your, your arrangements. So you're living off the land. So you're living off solar. You're living off a generator. You, so you don't really need utilities brought into your, uh, your area. And, but, yeah. and I watch yeah. enough uh, of these uh, RV guys on YouTube, like the Nomadic Fanatic, big fan. Big oh, shout yes. out to uh, Nomadic Fanatic, who also will be getting his RV into Henryville, which is my legal city, soon. And uh, he'll be uh, a member of the city. Um, but I figure I watched enough of him to realize how he survives off the grid. Um, so there's internet, there's solar, there's also different options you could use. So, but you know, if I, if things seem to be coming to that, uh, that measure, which it could very well after this, uh, election is all, uh, said and done, I may uh, consider uh plan B, which is evacuate the dance floor. If you know what I mean. I'm just going to get the fuck out of Dodge, get the hell out of the city, get as far away from a major city as possible. And the good thing about Boston is it's like the last major city before Canada. So, like, once you get past Boston, I mean, you got Portland, Manchester, if you call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But they're yeah. not really targets, if you will. No one's going to no, – no terrorist is targeting Bangor, Maine to blow it up. You know what I mean? Basically, you got to follow – you want to follow, like, a zombie apocalypse rule. Yeah. Pretty much. You want to get, like – if you get deep enough into Maine too, like I mean, this they don't even have names for towns up there. It's just territories, right? And if you get close to a river, you could always worst case scenario that river will take you to the St. Lawrence, which will eventually take you. It's the border of Canada, 
So, I mean, if you need to escape to Canada, there is so much miles of unprotected border up in Maine that you could just literally walk into Canada as an illegal immigrant to the Canadians. I'm not advising anyone does this, but I'm saying there is an option. You know, we're going to expedite us. Well, to- the, the, the Pena and, and the, there's a ri- the river in Bangor is the, uh, the Penabosket, the, I can't pronounce it, the Penabosket River. It oh, goes my- into the Atlantic. Yeah, that was my nickname in high school. That probably comes Native from, American name. Yeah, that probably comes from the mountains. Probably in the big mountains of, of Maine. It probably starts on the top of the snow peaks and, and bleeds into the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Maine. But there's a lot of waterways and stuff up there in, in uh, upstate Maine. You know, Unexpected. Acadia is close too. Yeah. You just gotta you know, you just have to have a relative idea of the of the of the land in which you are uh, approaching. Because frankly, here's the thing. If you escape into Canada, they're not gonna expedite you back to the United States. You know, the Canadians are too nice. They're not going to put us in cages at the border like they do for the kids in Mexico. But Last time I went there, I was sad. They didn't even look at my passport. I wanted them to. I wanted a stamp, you know? Stu and I were crossing the border with uh, a couple hundred dollars worth of booze that we bought in the duty-free shop. And the guy's like, oh, we're going to... But granted, it was a Monday. And uh, we, we, there was no one at the border. It was like Monday at 10 o'clock in the morning. There was no one crossing the border at this time. So they needed something to do. So they asked us to pull over. This is the only time and probably, you know, a dozen times I've crossed the border, if not more, um, that I've ever been stopped. So we got out and the guy's like, yeah, they're probably going to make you pay a tariff on your uh, boost. I'm like, all right, whatever. So we go up there and we're walking into the elevator and he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. We're not going to make you pay a tariff. I'm like, no. He's like, yeah, just come upstairs, stay up here for a couple minutes, and then you guys go back to your car. I'm like, okay. He's like, you don't get anything illegal in there, do you? I'm like, no, we just got the booze. We literally just bought it at the store that's attached to this building, you know, the duty-free shop. He's like, oh, yeah, cool. So we went up there and we waited and he looks out the window and he goes, all right, you guys are free to go. He was so nice. I felt like I was being set up. But uh, we didn't have to pay a tariff. He just let us go. I mean, he said it would have been like four bucks. He's like, it's not even worth writing a check for. And I go, you know, the Canadians, very nice. So I feel like if things go down, even though the Canadians are very, very liberal, I mean, they're, they're pretty much way more left than the liberals in the United States. In the, but the thing is, I feel like you got to go on a country by country basis with politics. Like not, ev- not all politics where he would work somewhere else. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's like that can work in Canada. It could. How do you feel about Justin Travol, Tra- Trudeau, Trudeau, that's the prime minister who uh, went blackface when he was in college. That's a great picture that pops up. And I hadn't seen that picture until Borat came out, the new Borat. And they actually, and they have the prime minister of Canada, Justin Trevaux, with his blackface. And he's like in college with these like two chicks and he's like going full blackface, which I still have to watch. I still have to see that. Yeah. Great movie. Borat 2, way funnier than Borat 1. I suggest if you have, uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime to watch it. Part of the HBO package or something, HBO Go. I don't know. There's so many fucking packages these days. It's how they keep track of which ones have what videos, but very hilarious. If the wife was laughing as funny as she was, then it's a good one because she usually doesn't get a belly laugh out of stupid stupidity, but Borat tickled her fancy, I guess you could say. So I would suggest go check out the Borat. It's a good. Oh, movie. yeah. Oh, wow. That is blackface. Damn. Uh, it was like shoe polish. <laughs> yeah. It's, I wish we had. It doesn't even look out. like him. Kudos no. to him. Yeah, it was many years ago, he says. But hey, listen, we, we all do stupid things. I don't, I don't, I, I understand why blackface could be offensive to some people, but it really, it's probably the least offensive thing you could do to someone to offend them when you think about how bad things have been that could be done. You know what I mean? I guess it's like, you know, 
I, I mean, I don't know. I, my perspective is someone with white face. I wouldn't really care. I think that would be no, fun. Or, um, if that's offensive, Honestly. so is dressing like a Native American for Halloween, right? The Native American, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, same thing. Half Nobody cares people. about that. The village no. people offend everyone when you think about it, right? Because they're all dressed as people that aren't really, you know. Time I wish I lived in. Totally. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, if you're offended by it, be offended by it. Do what you want. I'm not telling you what to be offended by and what not to be offended. Who the fuck am I to tell you what to be offended by? I, I wish I lived when that wasn't offensive. Like, I just, it, it's annoying. Like, who cares? Like, it's I mean, like, God. I, I guarantee it's one of those things. It's it's person by person. I bet you could take 20 black people and take another 20 black people and you would get a different opinion on each thing, I guess. You know what I mean? I, mean, I don't know. Who knows? I, I'm not a black, so I can't, I can't speak for them and i'm gonna leave it at that what's that song well as one year i did go as a bronze statue covered in bird poop but unfortunately the bronze makeup looked more like black makeup i'll take some looks yeah people be looking at this guy who's this guy who's this asshole one one year i went as a japanese tourist for halloween and all i did was wear miss i wore a lot of like clothes like from like i seen yeah and i had a big old camera and i walked around all night and i just took pictures of shit and I was a Japanese tourist. I mean, call that offensive. It's more of a stereotype because Asian tourists do take a lot of pictures. And I was doing that. Now, if I went as an Italian, I'd walk around in tight pants and a tight shirt and have like all Ferrari like clothing on, you know, and be like, oh, you're my bun John, oh, and be eating pizza and shit like that. So, I mean, I think if you were to make fun of Asians saying they take a lot of pictures, it's probably the least offensive thing you could do to offend them. You know what I mean? It just means they take a lot of pictures. You know what I mean? There's a lot worse stereotypes for us Italian Americans. You know what I mean? They do a hell, way, way meaner things about us. You know, like, wait, 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 we working out real well, bro. You know, fuck it. I don't know. I don't care. We did, we did work with Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we did. We were, we were sort of, we're, I would say more of an acquaintance because they didn't want to be taken over. That, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you're, you're next door to a guy who could cause some trouble. So instead of ruffling his feathers and after seeing the destruction he's done to his other neighbors, like France, you want to be kind of on his good side. So you're like, yeah, I don't hundred percent agree with what you're doing, but I can, I get, I, I, let's, let's, I'm here for you if you need me. You know what I mean? But, but the reasons why the, okay, the, the reasons, I understand the reason why the, the Italians didn't get as much shit as the Germans after World War II is because the people turned on Mussolini and dragged yeah. him down the street and killed him. But they didn't turn on him until after they realized they were going to lose. Mm. That's what the, <laughs> That's, That's what I find funny. They were, they were heavily misled. <laughs> Their idea was, well, if Germany's taken over all of Europe, we don't want to be taken over because the Italians are very strong. And the Italians have a natural border over the northern area from the rest of, the, of Europe. But they, the Alps, they're very, it's tough to get by the Alps, you know? So there's a sense of protection there. But after seeing what Germany would did to Russia and, and England and France at this point and pretty much taking over, you know, a quarter of, of Europe, I agree with the Italians where they're like, all right, well, let's just play ball with this guy and see where it goes. You know what I mean? I don't think the, I, I deeply don't think Italians wanted to kill Jewish people. I really don't think that. I, well, think, I don't think the German people did either. I mean, everything was great around the Olympics. Like it was great. all <laughs> the time. Everyone was having a blast, you know? No, but the, the Italian people didn't turn on Mussolini until after they realized they were going to lose. That's what happened. Yeah, no, that's true. That's exactly what happened. They figured <laughs> it was going to be a situation so uh and they're going to lose so let's uh let's throw this guy down before the united states takes us over and destroys us i mean that's basically what they were looking at you know what i mean i mean listen if i was living in in pisa 
1932, I'd feel the same way too. You know what I mean? What the fuck? You know? Paul Mussolini. I mean, Mussolini was like a guy. He was like the idiot, like sidekick of like the of a mob. Like, you had the mob boss, which was Hitler. Then you had like the stupid sidekick. You had like Fredo. He was like the Fredo. Mussolini was like Fredo. Like you didn't know he was coming or going, and then you know, ends up getting killed. So that's the way I look at it. Yeah, Italians, strong people. You know, never hear much after this coronavirus. Apparently, it killed most of the country, but they, they don't seem to be bothered anymore. You know, the fuck. Hashtag COVID nineteen. All right, so we, we might as well address the elephant in the room. There was an election here in the United States. If you're watching from afar, I just want to say shout out to Alex Wallace. What's up, Alex? Um, there was an election um, that possibly can still be going on right now because what I understand is Georgia is doing a recount, which I don't think that makes much of a difference unless they find anywhere else because you need a, he needs two more states to win. So there is a recount going on soon in Georgia. So... Uh, fuck i don't know i don't understand <laughs> i don't understand how this is so fucked i mean i do understand how it's so fucked but I, at the same time it's like it's so blatantly fucked that i don't understand how it, it it's so obvious like if you asked the majority of americans they would say this is the most stupidest thing ever how do you fuck this up you write something on a piece of paper you slide it into a machine and it counts it right no, it's, it's over there's no there's yeah. no evidence of any voter tampering there's nothing well, like but- they're doing recounts in states that are close in their constitution. And they should be done. So, they should be done because so, um, they're that close. So but, if Georgia comes back and Biden still wins Georgia, then you let Georgia be. You move on to the next close state and you see that's what you, democracy. Yes, I agree. But if it's off by a few 10,000 for say, let's go crazy. Let's go like hypothetical here. If it's off by a significant amount, then someone someone's to blame for this. You know what I mean? I mean, if it's close enough to be like, damn, like you fucked that up by like a whole couple counties. Right, like that would be like uh, maybe you should talk to the person who's in charge, and maybe they shouldn't be in charge of elections anymore in your state. Like maybe that should be one of those things you should think about. You know what I mean? But if it's like you know a few, I would say a few thousand, you know, over the state of a population of a, a bunch of million, yeah, that's nothing. That's like yeah, you can easily you miscount. I miscount shit all the time. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. But, yeah, as for the evidence, it doesn't seem like there's much unless there is and his he's hiding it, but who the fuck knows? And so the lawyers see it. Who I don't we don't know. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense right now. But all I can tell well, you right now is I haven't heard much about the coronavirus in the news. That's true. Uh, sorry to go a little off topic here, but we were talking about Mussolini. Do you want me to text you? I'm looking at a photo of his face with yeah. his wife after he was dragged through the streets. Do you do you want me to do you want me to text it to you? Yeah, you might as well send it to me. Right, they didn't they didn't touch the wife though, right? They left her. Oh, drink. she's dead. No, she's dead. I don't think that was his <laughs> wife. Wife. It's, it's somebody with him. That was his. He, that was his mistress. <laughs> yeah, no. They, from what I understand, they didn't touch his wife or kids because they they took care of the mistress. She was the uh, he was his, her his uh, proverbial fuck buddy, if you will. I'm gonna text you this photo in a minute and. Uh... Pull Mussolini. I say Paul Mussolini, like he was like, like a saint. He was an asshole. You know what I mean? He sold out the country. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, I'm listening. Yeah, you know, but fucking A, man. But the election it is what it is. We'll see what happens. Oh, fucking, I'm exhausted. I was exhausted. When the election was Tuesday, I was exhausted by Friday. It's now been over a week. Um, I don't fucking care no more. Like you said. <laughs> It's a political. Pl- it's a political placeholder, right? It's a guy that's going to be there. He's a temp. Yeah. He's a temporary. He's a temporary employee to the government. That's all that matters. So, 
whether you're a Democrat or Republican, you shouldn't really get your fucking panties in a wad because it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because the most this guy could do is veto a, a something. And then, I mean, he does have the keys to the fucking nuclear weaponry, I guess you could say. This could be a little dangerous. But, I mean, it, it, I'm sure if he is a little mentally unstable, they're not going to let him fucking, you know, hit the start button. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like letting your three-year-old drive your car up the driveway. You're not going to let him take him into the street. You know, yeah. you are right. It's him and his mistress. It says in the photo. I just texted you the photo. Yeah, let me see. How <laughs> yeah, I, I remember it was being the mistress because the Italians are very, you know, left familiar. You know, what I mean, they did. They didn't bother the wife of the kids because they figured they had nothing to do with it. Mussolini was a dickhead. You know what I mean? So, you know, you know, Karen, you know, Fridays are for the wives, but Saturdays at the cabana are for the girlfriend. <laughs> you know. Great movie. They say, you know, so ask any Italian guy that Friday's for the wives and the family, but uh, you know, that is. No, I'm I'm exhausted with the whole election thing. I'm glad it's over. I can stop getting those stupid text messages from the fucking automated bullshit. Like it's it's over, you know. Speaking of the election, we have a guy who was fasting the entire election. Who's just joining us right now? Oh uh, wow! Yes, name. that's right. His name is Charles Michael. Abel is uh, is connected with us right now. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. How are you awesome. doing, sir? Good. Where are you uh, joining us tonight from? From Greensboro, North Carolina. Oh, that's a state in question for this election, huh? That's uh, <laughs> one of those uh, those uh, hanging Chad states. Like uh, people don't know what's going on down there yet. Yeah. Is it official? Have they officially given a state to someone? I, I've lost track of the news. No, they. They're still counting, and they haven't officially. Ninety-nine percent in for the last week and a half, and they still haven't figured this out yet. So, you know, and uh, it's we were just talking prior to joining us uh, about how uh, this whole election is exhausting, both mentally and physically. Like it's one of those things. Like you get excited for it and you watch it, and it's like, oh, you expect it to be over that night, like the Super Bowl. You don't expect the Super Bowl to extend another week and a half. I I don't. And how does this affect your hunger strike? Are you still going? Like, I want to know. <laughs> no, no. I, I ended the hunger strike uh, at 49 days. Uh, okay. Just the- oh, God. Yeah. I love food too much. That's just oof. So what, Kudos to you, though. What inspired this hunger strike? Because we were reading about it, and it's like, all right, so you're going on. We, I was reading one echo. You're at seven weeks at this point, and you were going for, until the election was over. So what made you do this, and what was the reason behind it all? Well, you know, the reason was I wanted to bring attention to the fact that, you know, we've had uh, a lot of people marching all over the country, protesting over a hundred days, well over a hundred days, but there was no national legislation. Congress had not taken up the racial justice issues in any significant way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, a lot of the NBA players were reaching out and were concerned that, you know, they're going into the playoffs. And I felt that, you know, this was important enough for some of them who weren't in the playoffs to actually have a hunger strike and bring attention to it. I mean, they're more notable individuals than myself. But in in going through that thought process, I said, you know what, this is something I can do. This is something I should do. And, um, set upon doing the hunger strike to bring attention and hopefully movement on these issues prior to the election. Um, And, you know, the focus, as you guys know, turned to uh, 
primarily the election and then the Supreme Court justice uh, confirmation hearings. So um, although I reached out to Congress and really did all I could to push the issue, the focus was already locked in on confirmation of the Supreme Court justice. That's crazy. Because and you're a smart man. You're well going over your uh, information here. You're uh, you work in cancer research, radiology, and stuff. This so you gotta admit that going on a hunger strike could be a little dangerous, if you will, for X amount of days without the proper nutrition. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty ballsy, putting your life on the line for, you know, something you believe in, I guess you could say. But, And I think that's more than some of the NBA players are doing because a lot of them are just tweeting about it. And I don't know if they were really tweeting what they – I don't know if they really knew what they were tweeting about some of these celebrities. You know what I mean? I think they do. Hey, this is true. This you know, is true. But, you know, the, the thing that I saw was, you know, we can all talk, but let's do something. Yeah. What are you doing? And so that was just me taking a stand and saying, you know what, two months before – the uh, election, let's go on a hunger strike for 60 days and see if we can get some attention to this because, um, you know, in the meantime, George Floyd is still dead. Beyonce Taylor is still dead. Um, you know, these things continue to happen. So, you know, waiting to after election when it's convenient is just, you know, it's, it's not acceptable. So, you know, putting myself on the line and pushing the issue, I think, was the appropriate thing to do. That's all. And you're pushing it in a way, too, that's appropriate. You're not out there causing trouble or causing crimes. Like, the way you're going about it is a way that I think most people should certainly go about things. You know, not in an extreme, violent way, as some people do, because it just screws the whole thing up, you know? Right. Yeah, the violence thing, I think, is a little counterproductive when you think about it. When you really look into it, it's not really the people who are protesting for the reasons doing the end. There's some, you know, other outsiders looking to cause corruption and trouble. You know what I mean? It's, right. It takes right. away from the uh, picture at hand, you know. It's, it's unfortunate when you think about it. Yeah, no, it, I think it just detracts from the actual issues that, that people are, are, are wanting to expose and wanting to have addressed. Uh, you know, but at the same time, there's a small group. Look, there's a criminal element in every city, yeah. you, know, in, you know, in every community. So uh, you've got people that have been out of work for six months. Criminals have been out of work for six months, too. You know, everybody's at home. Yeah. So, um, you know, these protests are opportunities to take advantage of the situation as well. So, so I, I think, you know, we've got the, that element and they're going to be out there and, it's, you know, it, you can't control that. Not entirely. Now, assuming that the outcome of the presidency is what we think it is with Biden winning, um, how does this make you feel? And is this something that you see a kind of positive looking forward to the next, you know, four years coming that things will change and, you know, maybe we're, uh, we're, we're crossing a bridge here of uh, maybe making the movements kind of more, uh, I guess, not heard because I think they're very much heard already, but actually Congress doing something about these people protesting instead of just, you know, saying, yes, we have the protests out there, but not actually doing anything when it comes to helping. Like, right. Where do we go? You're yeah. right. Like, where do we go from here? You know, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's, that, that's a tough question. Um, you know, for me, my outlook is not particularly optimistic, and I'll tell you why. Um, you know, I see 
you know, the Republican Party as well as the Democrat Party as, you know, kind of two different sides of the same coin. I mean, they're both about incremental change. But right now we're at kind of a, a turning point. You know, people want to say it's a reckoning. Okay. But we're at a turning point where we need, you know, definitive change at this point. And I really don't see that happening, even with Joe Biden. Uh, you know, I, I think it becomes more strategic in that we've got to continue to push the, the fight, continue to push the struggle, and continue to protest. Because what I see is the, the game plan of most local governments is to kind of wait out the protesters. Mm -hmm. You're 100% right. I noticed that that happens with not just not just rights, but in general, when there's a shooting, okay, so we had to have harder gun control. And then they're like, yeah, we're going to do this. And then it dies off. You know what I mean? Or Occupy Wall Street, protesters, protesters. And then where's Occupy Wall Street now? Gone. You know what I mean? It's just right. the foot has to stay on the gas pedal. That's the thing. Absolutely. But keeping it there isn't always an easy thing either. You know, it's, you know. Exactly, exactly. And, but, you know, if, if you look at what's going on now, you've got this, you've got Donald Trump, Republican Party, and, and I was said, still say that, you know, Donald Trump is a turning point for the Republican Party, just from my perspective. It's, you know, he is gathering the troops, and those troops happen to be you know, malicious, uh, you know, white supremacists, uh, you know, uh, just really the radical right right now. And when he's out of office, he's going to be, you know, pretty much the, the leader of these so-called fringe groups um, on the far right. And so I see that's just a setup for organizations like Black Lives Matter, you know, where we're gonna have confrontations in the streets during protests. So, you know, how do you deal with that? Um, you know, we have, you know, that radical right on one side, you have law enforcement who is required to keep, um, you know, nonviolent protests nonviolent. I mean, no vandalism, no looting, you know, none of these things going on. So I, I think it becomes a real challenge for those who want to continue to keep the foot on the gas, as you said. Well, I mean, it's the public has spoken. Half the country voted for one guy, and a little bit more than half the country voted for the other guy. So there's a, there's a clear divide between people's beliefs, right? I mean, because it's not like it was a landslide where like one guy won, and you could see like, oh, there's a small percentage. But literally, it's almost half the country. Right. So you, these people's feelings aren't going to just disappear after, you know, inauguration day in January, right? They're still going to have these beliefs and they're still going to be disagreeing. And a small portion will be like, you know, like Adam and I just like, well, it's a placeholder. The president's a placeholder. It's a temporary employee of the government. You know, what's the worst that could possibly happen? You know what I mean? You know, but there's also a lot of people who, who, who for next for like just kind of like the Democrats fought it for the last four years about Trump, there's going to be a lot of Republicans fighting for the next four years against Biden, and they're not going to accept the fact that you know this guy is it, and they're going to just use it as a fight. And it's it's kind of an interesting time because in times elections have been close, right, over the years, and it's but it 
the ideas of the two parties have never been so extreme, I guess you could say, right? We're almost like, I hate to say it, like Civil War type feelings, what not slavery in general, but, but the how strong people are of different sides. The divide. Know? The divide is there for a civil war. Yeah. And yeah, and but the divide in this country is not necessarily regional. It's you know, it could be your neighbor at this point, right? right. And how do you see this all coming together if people are so passionate about something, right? Or the majority of people are passionate about something. Some people are just mediocre. But do you foresee that, you know, as time goes on in the next six months or so, that people come together? Or do you think like this, you know, I hate to say it, but do we need a national disaster to bring people back together? Like as 9-11 did, you know, 20 years ago where people cross party lines to help each other. Like, do you think this country needs something dramatic to bring people together? Or do you think as human beings, as Americans, we've figured this out? You know, I, I do think that as human beings in America, we'll figure this out. Yeah. Okay? Um, at the same time, I would I would say that, you know, the divide is not going to change. Um, what's 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 happened, in my opinion, is that we have kind of laid bare that division. You know, it's been there. It's been simmering. It's been under the cover. I mean. Think about the, some of the um, demographics of the election and who voted for Trump versus who voted for Biden, mm -hmm. okay? We have a deep division that, you know, the, the whole 90s and early 2000s were politically correctness that, that was out. And everyone was making an effort to be respectful of each other to show dignity to people they had differences with. But some of those deep-seated beliefs never changed. Mm -hmm. And now this pandemic um, and the president himself has really, you know, fomented and brought all of those things back to the surface. So the divide is there. And you can't legislate people's hearts. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah, well put. It's uh, rough times ahead of us that we have, I see, but it's uh, rough waters. It's not like it's going to be easy, but uh, I agree with you. I think, no, I think I, you know, I, I really believe that, you know, there, there is going to be a serious conflict, uh, but it's, it, it won't end there. I, I think, you know, we will come back together and cooler heads and minds will, you know, prevail. Yeah. I mean, you almost think you have to at this point, right? Because otherwise it's, it's it, like I said, it's not regional where the country could just literally just split off and be like, all right, we're going to be here and there. It's so, you know, interwined into communities that it's not, it's, you can't, you know what I mean? It's just, it's family members. It's people and families hating each other at this point. You know, it's like, I've never seen anything like this in, a, in my lifetime that it's been this overwhelmed. You know, it's like people literally yelling at each other. And uh, they can't, I've, I've witnessed firsthand many times of people I know who just going at it like, like wild animals, you know, it's just like, it's only, there's nothing you could do about it. You know what I mean? People got their beliefs. It's, it's, you know, that's one of the best parts of this country is your freedom to believe on who you want to believe and preach what you want to preach and have the freedom of speech and believe and religion and all this stuff. And you, people should embrace that. They shouldn't 
try to change someone for what they believe in. Let, let sleeping dogs lie. Hey, if that's what you believe in, good for you. I just don't agree with you on that, but we can both watch, you know, you know, the Patriots on Sunday and, and root for the same team and everything's all damn. <laughs> exactly. And that used to be what, what happened. Uh, one, one person brought this up to me the other day and I thought it was interesting. He said, you know, the, when you voted in past years, it was really a secret ballot. Mm -hmm. No one would really ask you who you voted for or expected an answer. Mm -hmm. that they did ask. Now, you know, everybody's trying to figure out well, which side are you on? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and it, these discussions are even being had at work. There was, for years, there was, you know, you just didn't talk politics at work. I had a history. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I had a history teacher when I was a kid who, uh, when the election was going on in 96, he was like, like, who'd you guys vote for? And then people started giving the answers. And he's like, stop. He's like, it's none of your damn business who anyone voted for. <laughs> That's like, awesome. Keep it to yourself and you don't tell anyone because who was the matter? If I told you who I voted for and you told me who you voted for, what's that going to do? Nothing. It's been, it is what it is. You know, we voted for our reasons and we did what we did. So it's like, but like you said about workplaces, families, offices, yes. people at bars, and usually one of the, like the, so, you know, the, the three uh, laws of the bar is you don't speak about politics. You know, it's, it's one of them right there. And you leave that at the door because alcohol and people's passionate feelings equal bad news. But to move on a little bit, you uh, Boom Publishing and Broadcasting Inc. is something you founded and you're working on uh, the Black Bottom Project. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so the, the Black Bottom Project is... One in which um, you know I, f I feel passionate about the fact that um, you know a lot of the ordinary you know, black folks in America they toil just like a lot of other people day to day and you never hear from them. I mean, you hear from you know the Beyonces and the Jay Zs and everybody else you know in entertainment, but you don't know the stories of ordinary black. Folks. It told in their own words. So that's the the signature project that um, I was planning on, and, and I've launched it right at in March. Oh, so the timing is like yeah. <laughs> bad, right? Yeah. So, so um, I've had to put it on hold temporarily. But the bottom line is that my goal is to collect one thousand interviews from ordinary black folks all across the country at barbershops and beauty salons. Okay. Uh, and just, you know, typically as you're growing up, it may be as a very young in your adolescent, it may be even younger. Sometimes it happens in adulthood. It's that one um, experience that you have mm. that kind of shapes you. It's one of the things that your core that makes you who you are. You know, we all have at least one of those experiences. And that's really where I'm trying to get to the heart of what people experience in the black community in different parts of the country. So um, we'll probably start that in the middle of 2021, um, trying to hopefully thinking that our COVID times will be over, if not, you know, on the down side, yes. <laughs> we'll be able to, to go out and do that. 
on a face-to-face basis because I think really that's that's how it needs to be done. I think that would be interesting too because I think you'd be it'd be interesting how many people's stories are similar to ways things have developed in their lives and what inspired them or what, you know what you know they lived on and learned from you know but uh, also the uniqueness of it too especially I feel like uh, me and Adam are half Italian so we the barbershop thing we in it's just like a lot of African Americans. I like the barbershop. People like hanging out there. It's a good place to talk. They chill. I mean, you know, everyone's just shooting the shit, talking about sports or whatever. And and it's like one of the only times where it's like a guy's club or a woman's club, right? The woman at the salon, the guys at the barbershop. So there's no, uh, you don't got to worry about being, uh, you know, correct about certain things. You know, you can kind of be a little more relaxed. And so I think you get a lot of good stories out of stuff like that, too, because people be a little more relaxed and a little more uh, open to uh, kind of share some uh, life changing uh stories you know i i actually have a question um because and we've, we've been pretty serious here and this is some serious stuff so i kind of want to dial this back a little bit be a little <laughs> lighthearted here have some fun and i'm just curious to know when you were done with this hunger strike what was the first thing you ate <laughs> like give me a damn burger i'd be like i want a burger with lots of bacon on it like yeah i don't really want it i wanted a total seafood dinner i wanted fried fish collard greens nice you know mac and cheese <laughs> oh, just everything thrown in fried shrimp just yeah you know, nice just eat it until you know i just gotta sit there and look at it and say no more yeah <laughs> did you feel a little sick after though because like your, your your mind is saying eat this but your stomach probably shrank a little bit so it was like stop Right, right. <laughs> well, what happened was I ended up having to almost, you know, gradually eat food until I could get to that point because, yeah. you know, God bless my wife. She was the one saying, you know what, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. I'm not letting you do it. So no cheat days. Yeah. <laughs> she helped me off long enough. That, but yeah, that was that was definitely because you can imagine that's 49 days. Okay. I can't imagine. I can't, I can't I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'll be sitting there and I'm like, did I eat today? I didn't eat and it's lunchtime. I got out of breakfast and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to crash into the wall. So uh, I feel like it's like when you get to it, was there a certain point that you got to that was kind of like you hit that mock, like when you run a marathon and then the rest is just like kind of easy going after that point? Or? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, after about 20, 22 days, about three weeks or so, okay. you know, I kind of was kind of floated along and it just, you know, was normal. And, but probably two, about a week and a half, about 10 days into that, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, can I really do this? Because at some point your body starts feeding yeah. itself. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, so it got tough in the, in the mid 30 day range. Right. Yeah, it was, it was like, okay, um, I, I, I got to drink a little fruit juice. I got to drink a piece of fruit just to keep my energy up. Yeah. But I mean, I, I lost 32 pounds over that time. Damn. And nice. I'm, not, I'm not a little guy, so, you know, I'm not yeah. used to missing meals, let's be honest. <laughs> Probably not the healthiest, healthiest way to lose 32 pounds, but in you know, the bright side of the tunnel, that's uh, at least, uh, you know. <laughs> It didn't take long to, to, to start clawing some of those pounds back, let me say. 
Like, I believe it. <laughs> well, good for you, man. And it was great talking to you. Charles, how do we, uh, or how do people out there find any of the information you're working on, whether it's the Boom Project or anything of that nature? Yeah, um, if you go to the website, boom-publishing.com, I've got my Angry Man blog there. <laughs> um, and uh, so, so I'll be posting there as well. I'm in the process of writing my first novel. So look out for that in mid-2021, uh, as well as the Boom Publishing um, YouTube channel. Cool, man. Well, good luck with everything. We look forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to that, that YouTube channel, seeing some of those stories. I think that'll be pretty interesting to see how that goes down. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing it. And I think it's a really great opportunity to kind of connect with folks and, and kind of take the temperature of different communities across the country. So, Hell yeah. yeah. Great. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. We appreciate talking to you and taking time out to speak, talk to us. Thank you. And hey, and I, I love what you guys are doing and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. All right, everybody. That was Charles Abel. Very interesting guy. He's a good, nice guy. He's a good guy. Very nice. Good old guy. Southern folk. You know, I like talking to the Southerners. They're just laid back. I don't know if I could go, what do you go, 49 days, he said, about food? Two? Yeah, I can't. No way it's ever going to happen. I'd be a miserable dick. There's no way. <laughs> 12 hours without food is like my threshold. I think I've gone 12 hours, no eating. And it's like, you can feel your like, stomach just kind of, you know, you see me at work all day. I'm constantly eating. Like, I eat literally all day long. It's like my I'd thing. I'd be an asshole. There's no way I could do that. Yeah. It's impossible. I don't care how much fruit juice or Red Bull you pump me with. You need, in my, your body needs to, like, digest things. This is not right. I mean, like he said, I feel like he did that. Uh, that it's a little more uh, meaningful than what some of the shitty athletes do. That just talk about the shit and they don't really care about. It. They go back to their mansions in Malibu and call it a day. You know what I mean? And you get like the Melissa Milano's, you know, of the world. You heard that story, right? Oh, no, I didn't actually. The Melissa Milano was uh, all about defunding the police and stuff like that, and she was, you know, tweeting about how she wants the police to have no money, uh, you know, all that stuff. And then uh, something happened at her house. And she had called the police and I think, I don't know what it was. It was something stupid. It was like someone, you got to look up the story. It was like someone like cut her off or someone did something to her. Like that was so like Karen-ish that she called the police on them and stuff like this. And I believe they were like, is this what was a while? Anyone defund the police? I was listening to the story like half-assed the other day and it was like, she was such an activist on, on shutting down the police, but when she actually needed them, she was it was for something stupid too. Tom Alumbus spoke of an activist neighbor called police on Sunday morning to report a possible gunman near her home in the Bell Canyon area. A spokesperson for the Venture County Sheriff's Office told Fox News on Tuesday that they received several calls from others in the area that the initial call came from someone not related to Alyssa Milano. I don't know. If oh, he was target really practice in his backyard. I think like that. I think he was shooting his gun, practicing in his backyard or something like that, and she called the cops on him. But a man dressed in all black walking in the woods between our properties with a gun, which she called a rare sight in our, in our parts. <laughs> 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 there, Milano said her husband then called 911 to check on when police would be arriving, yes. Nice. The gun was a hunter stalking squirrels. <laughs> yes, that's what it was. It was something stupid like that. <laughs> with an air rifle. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it wasn't even a gun, and here she is fucking wanting to call it, you know, she's using nine one. There was, so there was this politician and uh, Michigan, I believe, who was all about shutting down the police. She wanted to take $18 million away from the police. Well, she was in an Uber the other day 
And uh, I guess the rule in Uber and Lyft down, they have to have the windows open to help ventilate the cars and everything like that. So she kept telling the Uber driver to roll the windows up. And she's like, he's like, I'm sorry, I can't buy, you know, restrictions with to keep them down. And she called 911 while she was in the back of the Uber to get a ride home from the police. And the police officer was like, man, we can't drive you home. We can't do this for you. Oh, it was uh, Portland, Oregon. I'm sorry. Portland, Oregon politician. She was like a, a city counselor who was all about shutting down the police. But when she needed the police, she, uh, she did call them, you know. People call 911 over the dumbest things. We both know this. But like one of my one of the funniest, I gotta try to find it. I haven't heard the call in a while, but someone calling 911 because they were lost in a corn maze. That's awesome. Because the because you know because the, the police are gonna come get you. You know what's gonna happen? A fire truck is gonna plow down the, the corn maze to come get you. No, no, you know what they should do? Yes, help her out of the corn maze and then fucking arrest her for misuse of the 911 system. That's what they should do. They should fine people for misuse. There they literally should be a fine for misusing 911. They're, they're supposed to be. They're supposed to arrest you. I mean, when you were a kid and your mother told you, listen, if there's an emergency, call 911, but only if there is an emergency. And then as you got older and you and your friends were fucking around off the phone, the woman was like, let's call 911 real quick. And you'd call 911 and you'd hang up and then they'd call right back and you'd shit your pants. I never, I never did that. I did get a hold of my, one of our history teacher's phone numbers and prank called him constantly. We did that too. I said my name was Bob Vila. <laughs> <laughs> we, me and this kid, I'll, I'll say his name because I don't think I'm friends with him anymore, on Facebook anyway. It's Patch Sachetta. I know this kid since I was in first grade and, and we, uh, we kind of, came apart and then in middle school we became friends again so this is like 1997 um we had two lines in my house i had my dad's work line and then we had the house line but they had the conference call button where you could bring the two lines together so i used to conference call him and then we would call someone and make fake we used to prank call nail salons and make fake appointments for friend, our friends and give their home awesome. so joey baloba Monica, we would call up uh, nail salons all the time and make appointments for him and then leave the number. So then when he didn't show up, the nail salon would call the house and be like, uh, you didn't come to your nail salon today. So one day we're looking for nail salons and Pat on the other line gives me our history teacher's phone number. But I don't know it's the history teacher. So it's 930 on a Friday night. We call him up and he picks up the phone and we're like, I look to make a nail, a nail salon appointment. And he's like, what? He's like, a nail salon? He's like, you think you got the wrong number? And I can hear my friend laughing his balls off on the other line. And he hangs up and he's like, yeah, we just called Mr. Monocle. I go, are you kidding me? But then I'm paranoid because we used to block the number. But I'm like, oh my God, is he going to fucking backtrack the number? The fucking... And then I remember that was Friday. I remember all weekend long, I had a pit in my stomach until fucking Monday when I went to class thinking I was going to get busted for prank calling him. I um. <laughs> I once to, but it was never that big of a deal. Like, I realized what happens when this happens. It's nothing. Like we, I ordered like 20 pizzas to, to a party that I wasn't invited to. And like, yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing happened. They just said, you know, we're like, we, they're like so we didn't order the pizzas. And they're like, okay. And they just drove off. Yeah. <laughs> nothing happened. It's not a big deal. Uh, I'm looking at the picture of Mussolini. You sent me with his fucking mistress. Oh, man. They fucked him up, huh? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> you can even tell where his head is. Like the face yeah, is fucked. It doesn't pay to be Mussolini, I guess. You know, what's funny? You don't see. You never. Have you ever ran into an Italian with the last name Mussolini or a German person with the last name Hitler? It's like those no, names. They were smart enough to change it. That's why. <laughs> right? You weren't keeping those names. You would have. Been, you know. You imagine like this is my buddy uh, Vinny Mussolini, and they'd be like, "Ah, oh, Mussolini, are you one of those guys related to the dictator Mussolini?" 
And he'd be like, nah, man. It was a great uncle, great uncle, some of that. Yeah, you get to change those names when you come over to the country. When you go into Ellis Island and you sign in the paperwork, you're making sure you, your name doesn't sound like anyone that's indispicuous, you know? Like a lot of Italians would drop the, uh, the vowel at the end of the name because they didn't want to be uh, stereotyped as Italians, you know what I mean? Because they didn't, people didn't want to hire them, you know? Like the Irish, they would drop the mix, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. Like, I don't know. That's what's gonna. It's me and you are gonna be doing that when we migrate to uh, Canada. We're gonna have to change our names a little bit so we can actually. You you are French. You have a French Canadian last name. You'll fit in just perfectly. I do. Uh, yeah, I do. I do. I, I have a Jew nose, but I am French Canadian. Yes. You, could, you could you could you could slide into Quebec. The only problem is you don't speak French. That might be a little bit of a problem. Unless I'm a deaf mute, I just pretend to sign. Right. I, could... I mean, I feel like you go to Ontario too. Ontario is very understanding of the French. You know, it's just uh, the the Quebecians. They like to. Uh, no, they don't like the French. None of them do. None of them like the actual French. And I'm glad because I hate the French. But the Quebecians don't even like the rest of Canada. They think they're their own nation over there, you know? That's true. Yeah. Like, well, for years, they've been trying to, like, withdraw from being Canadian. You know what I mean? It's like, face it, you're a fucking Canadian. You know what I mean? It is what it is. That's fine. As long as you're not French. That's, there's a big difference between French yeah. and French Canadian. I fight people on this all the time. Oh, a huge difference. The big, I mean... And, like, when you think about it, anyone who's, like, the, the French down in Louisiana, like, all them, that came from Quebec. Those are people that escaped Quebec to go down, you know, they, when they migrated, they're in the French and Indian War. No, because the, the French Canadians realized that the French sucked and rebelled and wanted to leave. That's why the French Canadians aren't bad. <laughs> no, they're nice people. The Canadians are all, in general, the Canadians are great people. I can't say anything bad about Canadians, you know what I mean? They're friendly, uh, friendly neighbors to the north, if you know, you know. They're less hostile than our neighbors to the south, the Mexicans who, you know, digging tunnels and smuggling drugs and human trafficking and shit, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's always good. That's always a plus. I haven't seen a Canadian human traffic anyone, which is probably a good thing. But you did have uh, um, Don't Fuck With Cats. That guy was, uh, I don't know if he was Canadian, but that took place in Canada. Yeah, I still I haven't finished. I had a hard time watching that. I started that and I I didn't I hadn't finished it. Oh yeah, I think if you if you didn't have a hard time watching that, you're a fucking sociopath because that was just it just. And I want to know about these nerds that all like hung, I know we're talking about a subject that was like nine months ago, but the nerds that all hung out in these chat rooms to try to find this guy and like finding vacuum cleaner things online to figure out where they were made and doing the whole like fucking. Invest- they were dedicated. They were. They were dedicated. You know. I mean, it was kind of sad that the rest of the fucking you know the cops up there don't fucking give a shit as much as these fucking people did all because they fucked up a cat. But it was creepy with uh body moving. The main girl on this was uh, when she was a casino, she like was a, a slot machine um, engineer or something like that. And then there was video of her walking through the casino that the guy was videotaping. He was like kind of stalking her and shit. I don't think I got that far. Oh, yeah, that's one of the, yeah, not to spoil alert, but... No, it's a, okay. You can talk about it. I'll, I'll finish yeah. it eventually. It's just really hard for me to watch. Yeah, I know. It's fucking graphic. I, I remember watching it, like, in the middle of the night. I would wake up in the middle of the night. I was watching, like, 2 o'clock in the morning, getting freaked the fuck out. I was like, what the fuck is this shit? But, you know, it is what it is. It's another day on the radio here. Oh, the, uh... There's not even radio. Oh, on the side. <laughs> <laughs> the interwebs, if you will. On the interwebs, yes, yes. Oh. I just think it's... I, 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 we talked about the vaccine, right? And I go, I told you, the vaccine just came up. But we both agreed that we would probably be the last people to take this fucking thing, right? Yep. I would advise, I hate to say it, but I'd really hate to advise anyone taking this thing unless they were just gung-ho about taking this thing. I mean, no, I mean, we should take it eventually, but it's like, it's like a, 
it's almost like a new technology coming out. You want to wait and yeah. see what's going to happen. You know, like I'm just it, like I was saying earlier, this is the, the shortest turnover we've ever had for a vaccine. And just makes me a little worried. I'm not going to lie. Like when Windows 95 came out and everyone was <laughs> got to get this, oh, new, bugs. this new Windows 95. And then it, there were bugs for three years until 90 yeah. came out. You know what I mean? It's like, all right. It's like and, and that's a fucking computer. You're injecting something into my body. Right. I think the only people, I think the people who are like, uh, like I know a uh, friend, Danger Powers, when he went into the uh, army, he had to get the anthrax. <coughs> mm. Who the fuck knows? He was telling me when, like, when you when you go into boot camp and shit, it's like a whole day of just getting shots. They just shoot you up of all types of shit. You have no idea what they're shooting in you. And it was like, yeah. that was the anthrax vaccine and all these other vaccines. I mean, God knows what they fucking have in their bodies. I'll, I'll tell you, when I went to Africa, the amount of shots I had to take right was i i was an idiot and i decided to go on my lunch break at work i came back and about two hours later i'm like at my computer station <laughs> it just drained the shit out of me i had like oh my god you get the malaria pills you have like three different types of hepatitis you got like um what was another some dengue shit you had like all this crap injected at once it wasn't safe i didn't like that all the shit injected at once my sister, yeah, my sister went to Africa. Had to do that too. It was, it's kind of weird. It's like you go into it, like, and she went where you went. She went to South. She went to South Africa, like the same area. So it's kind of civilized. It's not like it's a third world country to an extent, but you still gotta, I guess, if you're gonna venture off into the, the Congo, you know, who knows what the fuck you're gonna, yeah. who you're gonna That's encounter? True. I guess, right? True. It's precautions, I guess. You don't want to, you don't want to bring back a third world virus. You know, you want to be like the guy who brought back AIDS. You know, like the flood attendant we were talking about today. Fuck it. Did she just go to South Africa? I did, I did go to the bush. I was in the bush. Yeah, I think she, she went to South Africa and went on a safari. I don't know how deep she got into. I think she never left the country, uh, the, I guess, country, South Africa. Yeah, no, I went there and I went to Namibia. So I was all over, I was all over Africa. Namibia in- sounds very exotic. You know what I mean? It sounds yeah, like, a little bit. Sounds like little these zebras walking the streets. You know what yeah. I mean? Northern part, yes. Uh, yeah. Southern part, weird though, because the southern part is a lot of German. Really? Yeah, the uh, northern part is like all pushed. That makes sense. So a lot of coastal cities and or countries in Africa are all established by Europe's Europeans at one point, right? So I guess there's probably still customs and people that stuck around, like kind of like Australia. You know, <laughs> England said, "Fuck it, we're leaving. We're just gonna let the prisoners leave, go." And then prisoners having sex with other prisoners, and now if you're an Australian, you're a, you're you're a descendant of a criminal. I guess you could say. For most yeah, you could say that. But you figured it out. We were talking about uh, countries. Remember, we, we uh, joking around about taking over uh, Australia. That's probably assholes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fucking shit. Wildlife out there is nothing to fuck around with, though. That's true. No, especially in the northern part. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it funny? Like, it's such a big country. I mean, it, 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 well, it's a continent in a country, I guess you could say. But it's the size of, like, say, like two thirds of the United States. But, like, I don't know what, like, a, Three quarters of it you can't live in, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, mean? I avoided the north part when I was there. I was mostly working at like the, you know, Sydney and um, Tasmania southern part, which yeah. is nicer. Yeah. You know, the northern part is like where like the, you know, a lot of, a lot of the shit can kill you. The indigenous <laughs> people live up there, like the like like uh, like the the natives and stuff that you know don't see airplanes regularly. And like, Ooh, probably that's uh, <laughs> gonna get you. Oh, man. It would be fun to go out there to visit uh, one of these days. Me and uh, Joey's brother, Anthony, had a, back in 2006, had his uh, trip plan to go out to Australia. 
um, that never panned out, but uh, too expensive. I mean, the flight was a couple of grand just to get out there. We were looking at, you know, like $1,500. A long flight. It's a fucking long flight, too. It's, it's... Yeah, you need the money to, you know, live. You know, the Australian dollar, what's that look like to the U.S. dollar? Is it, you get more? It's expensive. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's not a lot. It's not a lot at all. You told me about like Burger King was outrageous, right? It was like, oh yeah, dude, I, I, like the Burger King equivalent of eating out was like thirteen dollars. Fucking crazy, you know. You go to a, you know restaurant around here. You go to Applebee's and get something for thirteen dollars. You know what I mean? At least you get a waitress. Yeah. Well, if I can go to McDonald's, you can't. It's like I can't when I go to Five Guys and it costs me eleven dollars for a burger, fries, and a drink. I go, I but I, I don't understand because I could just go to like TGI Fridays and get a burger for the same price that comes with a drink and fries. And you know, be able to have a beer. Just don't get it. The way it rolls, I guess. So I mean, that's crazy. Oh, so one thing I want to talk about: movies. Groundhog Day. Uh, I, I heard the story today. So let's see if I can bring it up real quick while we wait for our next guest. Hopefully, give him for about five minutes or so. See if he's going to join us. He's supposed to join us now, but hey, what the fuck? You know how it goes here. All right, so the Groundhog. Day. <laughs> So I was listening to this, this this podcast I listened to, and they were talking about how long does Groundhog Day, the movie, actually last? Like, because he keeps dying and waking up, dying and waking up. But how many times did he die and wake up over the course? Like, how long did that add up to in real time if you were to add it all together? And apparently, it is eight years. Excuse me, eight years, eight months, and sixteen days. Wait, was that wait, back up? Was that a fart or was that your stomach? That was my <laughs> losing my voice. I was like, Ugh. okay. I was like, what the hell is that noise? I get this tickle. Yeah. I get this tickle in my throat. Yeah. So the entire time that Bill Murray is alive during the span of Groundhog Day, from the first day he gets to Punxsutawney to the last day where he wakes up, and it's now the second day after Groundhog's Day, it lasted eight years, eight months, and sixteen days. How did they land on that? So I guess it had to do with how long it would take to master the skills in which he mastered. So like he was an ice sculptor and he was a master pianist and he did all this stuff. So they figure, so there was a graph. Like I get a, I get to pull up the chat. I can't find it. I was looking at like my Ferris Bueller thing. <laughs> yeah. So there was like a pie chart that broke up like, all right, it would take you like two years to become a master sculptor of this level. It would take you like two years to become a master pianist of level. And they had like this pie chat. And so you, when was the last time you seen the movie? You're familiar with the movie though. Less right? than a year ago. I said a little less than a year ago. You're familiar with the whole plot and everything and everything. Yeah. So when you think about it, at the end of the day, all he had to do was bang the broad to make the days stop going. Well, he wanted to, but she kept, that's why he liked her because she kept refusing him. Remember? Yeah. And he kept learning the new skills to him. Yeah. And like he kept learning a new thing to try to impress her. So. <laughs> all he had to do was tell him he like rock your own ice cream. That would have got it right there. It was like, so he got so close every single time. Like he was like, ah, and then he had fucking Ned. Watch out for yes. that first step. It's a doozy. I remember like, I love the fight when he punched Ned out, you know what I mean? Or oh, he, yeah. awesome. I mean, cause you could try to kill himself a few times and that didn't work. That's hilarious. Like the time he kidnapped uh, the Greyhound, yeah, the Greyhound, the uh, Groundhog, and they were driving drunk and they drove off. That was the best. That was that was awesome. (laughs) What? How do you feel about uh, what about Bob? If you were to go, what about Bob versus Groundhog Day? Ooh. See, I give you. Here's the thing, though. I feel like what about? They're both great. It's it's not like a matter of if one sucks. I think though, I give the edge to Groundhog Day because it's more of a 
Bill Murray movie. It's more of a Dreyfus movie for mm. What About Bob. I agree. I think in both were very well written. They're both um, great. In their own in their own categories, uh, yeah, I would I would agree. Bill Murray was definitely the star of uh, Groundhog Day. He and Dreyfus definitely because if you didn't have Dreyfus like overreactive character that he had in What About Bob, you the movie wouldn't be the same. But they, that pretty much because Bill Murray just played like this like very low tone mental patient who just tried to try to do well. He didn't he didn't really know better. He was kind of like a child, right? Yeah. He wanted to he just wanted the attention and he was very likable. And everyone loved him, and it made Dreyfus look like a bigger dick than he really was. And he, and Dreyfus was a dick in the movie. And it, oh, he was. He was a major asshole. Yeah, it just became he became more. It, it everyone, Bob just made him look like a bigger dick because the family loved Bob, and like those the old couple in the town loved Bob, and the whole community loved Bob. And he they all hated Richard Dreyfus. They just thought he was the biggest cocksucker ever. He wasn't just a dick. He tried to kill him. Let me put a bomb on him. <laughs> he strapped a fucking bomb to him. Tied him to the fucking boat and shit. Yeah, that's like extreme, man. That's pr- that's that's fucking homicide. <laughs> it, the funny part about it was like, I wonder if there's like a secret message in what about Bob? Like maybe Richard Dreyfus had mental illness that he couldn't really expose like he he was a psychologist no dude don't don't go down this road this is like the whole ferris bueller thing like cameron like like ferris wasn't real okay and it's all cameron's imagination ferris ferris is just cameron's imagination he's sick in bed (laughs) don't do it drivers was just like a psychopath because like the whole family like at the end like when you try to kill someone you just somebody is that the phil con is that's fucking awesome (laughs) um yeah like everyone like like the son loved bob like bob had some issues like he was definitely a sociopath like he had oh, some right. like uh right. oh, well he wasn't a sociopath he, he cared asperger's. about things yeah he was like kind of like a what you would say asperger's or he was definitely socially awkward he had some kind of social issue he was on the spectrum yeah, yeah. and uh he just he just wanted he liked people he was a very likable person people just like no boundaries he yeah. didn't understand boundaries that's pretty much yes it. yeah he didn't understand where like one stopped and the other began and he was just he was a very lovable character i've, I've i feel like bob was way more lovable led than phil in groundhog day because phil in Groundhog was a cox he was like a cocksucker in groundhog day he was like, a cocksucker. Yeah. you know he was a washed up philadelphia reporter who had to go to punks at tawny on groundhog day to report about a stupid fucking groundhog and that uh <laughs> What's his face? Who? Um, what the hell was the guy? Ellis. Um, oh God, the actor who who's the camera guy. He was also in what? Uh, something about Mary. Is it Ellis? Uh, Ellis. Uh, he was in the show. Um, oh, what the fuck was that? Staying in the place where you are. Now they that show on eight and I, oh God. I gotta fucking go. This is gonna lose. This is gonna bother me here. Cast the Groundhog Day. Uh, how rain? No. Oh, Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott. That's it. Yes. Chris Elliott, yeah. Nice straight. He played the straight guy in that movie. Very good. He's just like, dude. Just can we just fucking do this and get the fuck out of here and go back to Pittsburgh? <laughs> and then Andy McDowell with her fucking southern accent, being all fucking southern shit. Great movie. So, uh, I guess, uh, I guess our second guess isn't gonna make it tonight. A little late. Gave him the grace period. He was supposed to be Teddy Styles, who uh, prepares to do a book about uh, hip hop in Long Beach. So uh, 
you can actually read his article written by uh, Mr. Glover on the Packy, the Packy.com. It was uh, an article posted there, so check it out. Just uh, look for it. And that would be basically the interview today. So I think we'll call it there. We'll call it a day. Yeah, my friend. So uh, we plug in anything exciting. Um, you check out the Whirlwind Potato on YouTube. Mm. And uh, that's that's about all I have. Check out the James Bond uh, one. That's because yeah, that that seems to be a big deal. So uh, for sure, very popular guy. I mean, we'll get you uh, monetized after all. So it's said and done. Fucking a man. And uh, check out the packy.com and make sure you check out the show on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, YouTube and all that stuff. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Have a great week. And toodaloo. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. Toodaloo, my guys. Later.